0: Sometimes life is messy. Have you ever wished you could refocus your mind, home, relationships, and work life? Join us as we use research-based information to make practical changes and simplify life. This is Life Simplified.
1: Welcome to Life Simplified. September is National Preparedness Month, so we have spent each episode this month focusing on ways we can prepare for natural disasters and emergencies. Today, we're going to be talking about navigating trauma after a natural disaster. But before we get started, I want to make um, a caveat. This is difficult content to discuss. And so, if you yourself have experienced a natural disaster or emergency, um, you may want to step away from this podcast for a while if you don't feel like you're ready. Or if at any point while listening, you feel uncomfortable, um, please practice self care and do what you need to keep yourself safe. All right, let's get started. Before we can start talking about navigating trauma, we have to first know what trauma is. So, let's talk about that. Trauma is your body's response when you experience an event that is life-threatening or emotionally hurtful. When you experience trauma, it can leave lasting effects on your mental and physical well-being. It could produce warning signs of physical or mental changes that you might not immediately recognize. So a simple way to think about trauma is to consider the most stress you can handle in response to an uncontrollable event. So traumatic events can be a little bit of anything. For my ladies that are here with me today, when you think about trauma, what kind of things come to mind as far as traumatic events or experiences?
0: I think of near-death experiences.
1: Yeah, absolutely. For me, it's something that has happened to you
2: either through your childhood years or an adult that was life-changing.
1: Yeah. So something that you've experienced in your past, um, maybe completely out of your control is kind of what I'm hearing you say.
2: Yes, that's correct, Tiffany.
1: And, you know, sometimes I think when we think of trauma, um, we think of things like abuse or someone who's been in combat. Um, I think that comes to mind a lot for people. But I just want everyone to know that for today's purposes, when we think about trauma, we are going to be thinking about it in relation to natural disasters. Since that is our theme this month, um, there's a lot that can go along with trauma, but we want to kind of focus our discussion today in this way. Trauma affects our body in a very strong way. When we experience trauma, it activates our sympathetic nervous system. Now. That's a lot of words, and so I don't expect you to remember that. What's important for you to know is that when we experience a traumatic event, our fight or flight response gets kicked in, and so I think most of us have heard that term before. Um, it's basically our body's survival system. It's how we protect ourselves and keep ourselves alive when we are in a tough situation, and so it's a it's a really cool thing our body actually does for us to keep us safe when we're in those situations. Um, And so just quickly, I'm going to go over what exactly your body is doing when you're experiencing that fight or flight response. Once your survival system is activated, your brain will signal your body to pump out stress hormones. Those stress hormones divert the blood flow to your heart, lungs, liver, and muscles. And that's how you are able to fight Or flight, which is flee, get away and protect yourself. Now, some people may hear fight, flight, or freeze. And that's because some of us in an especially overwhelming situation may not be able to fight or run. We may just kind of feel like we're stuck in our spot and we can't move. Typically, after you've experienced a fight or flight response to an event, your body will go back to its normal homeostasis and you will feel feel okay again after a little while. But sometimes our body kind of gets stuck. And so it may be that your body is experiencing the trauma of the event over and over again, and it's not going back to its reset mode if you will. And that is what leads to traumatic stress. Now, I want to be very clear that not everyone who experiences a traumatic event is necessarily going to develop post-traumatic stress disorder. That's a word that we hear a lot, maybe in the media or from others. And so there can be some confusion. Not all of us will have the qualifications for a disorder like that, even after experiencing a traumatic event but everyone who experiences a traumatic event will probably experiences symptoms of some kind for at least a short amount of time right after that event has occurred one way that you can think about it when you kind of get stuck in this um, traumatic stress is that your alarm system is broken We were recently at a summit that discussed recovery, and one of the speakers there was speaking on trauma. Uh, Mr. Gray Manis, who's a licensed clinical social worker, he said, your alarm system is broken when you get stuck in a traumatic um, state. And so I thought that was a really smart way to think about it because your body is doing what it's supposed to do when it kicks in your fight or flight response. But sometimes, because it's more stress than what we can handle, our system gets thrown off. And so that's when we we can see evidence of lasting nature. Now that we know what trauma is and how it affects our body, Let's start discussing what some signs of trauma are. And we break those signs down into two different categories, the immediate signs of trauma. And those are things that you experience pretty quickly after the traumatic event. So quickly after a flood or a tornado or a fire or whatever natural disaster it is that you have experienced, that would be things less than three months after the event, And those signs and symptoms are things like feeling numb or like nothing is real, so maybe a state of shock, problems focusing or feeling confused, being easily startled or scared, intense anger or sadness, your heart racing when you think about the event that occurred, difficulty sleeping or having nightmares about the disaster, headaches and or fatigue, feeling worried or fearful and digestive problems like an upset stomach or nausea. So ladies, before we go on to the long-term signs of trauma, um, have any of you yourselves or anyone that you are close to experienced any of these immediate signs after a natural disaster? I think back We
0: had a tornado in our area. Well, multiple tornadoes. We've discussed that in previous podcasts, but I'm going to go even further back. I was not personally affected in that, but a few years prior to that, I was in a building when Straight Line Winds came through and took the roof off of three quarters of the building. I was in the quarter. Thankfully that the roof did not come off, but I remember what it felt like when I heard it coming through, because I immediately knew something was not right. But I didn't have anywhere to go. It was mm-hmm. just, I'm I'm here, I'm in it. So afterwards, I remember that, that just kind of looking around, just being so kind of confused. There There is no roof. And why is there no roof? And just really not knowing what to do then.
1: Yeah, kind of like a what has just happened? And what am I supposed to do now? Like, what is step i think sometimes that can that can be hard when we're just kind of like okay i'm physically okay how do i move forward now yeah i think a lot of people can relate to that and i think too you know no worries in you know comparing how we feel with someone else because everyone's experience is unique and everyone's experience is relevant you know how we feel how we experience things is very important so thank you for for sharing sharing cuz i think it can be hard looking back on now to say like, okay, did I experience any of these after the tornado that I experienced? And I would say I probably did. It's easy now being almost two years out to kind of forget a little bit. But in that moment, I, I know there were a lot of feelings, a lot of fear, um, and a little, little, I don't know what to do next. So those are your sim- signs and symptoms three months or less after the event. Now, things start to shift a little bit once it's been longer since the event. So long-term signs of trauma are anything that you're experiencing more than three months after the event. And so they can get a little a little more emotionally intense. So things like feeling irritable or bitter, difficulty thinking or making decisions, Socially isolating from family or friends, avoiding places or things that bring back painful memories of the event, easily startled or scared by certain sights or sounds, problems completing work tasks, recurrent thoughts about the disaster or future disasters, difficulty sleeping, unable to sleep or sleeping too much, fatigue, worrying or fearful about future disasters digestive problems and intense grief for weeks and months so as i look at that list i can see a few of those things in in my own children since having gone through a tornado now i don't think that there are symptoms that they're experiencing that keep them from living living life but definitely when we are in a season that tornadoes are more likely or If there is some form of a weather alert, um, they definitely have some more sensitivities now than they did prior to experiencing that event. And so some of the things that I can say that that I've seen are maybe being a little more fearful about future tornadoes than they would have been previously easily startled or scared by certain sights or sounds I would say the sound of the wind kind of like Ashley alluded to in her experience it's a pretty specific sound once you've experienced it you remember what that sounds like and so I would say now on our family's farm wind is even more prominent because we've lost a lot of the structures that would kind of keep those sounds at bay so I can tell now that even in myself when we hear some of those sounds, we tend to get a little little more nervous about what might be to come. Do any of you all relate to any of these long-term signs of trauma?
2: I actually do. Um, as Ashley was talking about her experience, mine was not with tornadoes, but mine was with snow and ice. Where I grew up at, my parents still live there. Their house is surrounded by hills. And any way that you go to go up to their house, you have to go up big old hills. And when it would snow or have ice, my mother would have to go to work. So she would have to take us to the babysitter or family member to watch us if we was out of school. But she terrified me. I would honestly get in the floorboard because at that time you you did not have to be in the seatbelts. And just the fear of going off the side of the road and wrecking because of the snow and ice for years. And I mean, years, I would not drive on it because of that experience. You know, she didn't do it intentionally. It just, you know, it just terrified me. And now I finally, you know, I'm very cautious about it, but I'm not like frozen where I refuse to drive on it now. So, you know, I just, my time and and go but for years I would not
1: I think that's a really important point to make too Joni that experiences we've had as a child can affect us for years to come um, and it sounds like you've been able to kind of resolve those fears by being able to make decisions that make you feel more comfortable when you are in snow and ice but we have to pay attention to how our children are responding to events that they are around and exposed to as well. And I thank you for sharing that story. I think that's a good picture of what what can happen.
2: You know, I always said, if I'm not willing to go out there and experience experience it myself, then I'm not going to put my children in that position either because I was terrified of it. So why would I put all of us in danger if I was terrified to be out on it? So, And like I said, I've overcome it a lot, but I've got to my age though, where if I don't have to be, I'm not going to be, but I can if I need to.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I think that's a good point too. We have to remember, as adults, like we have control over our decision making. And so, if if we're choosing to not go to a shelter or somewhere that has a tornado if weather's coming, if we're choosing to get out on the road in ice or snow, if we're if we're choosing to make those decisions, where those choices are affecting. Our children, And so they might feel really out of control because they don't have the ability to make those choices. So we have to be aware of, of how the decisions we make affect them as well. And being able to process that with them after the fact to see, you know, how they're doing, because sometimes they will tell us and sometimes they hold that in. And we're not sure how they're experiencing those natural disasters and events that could cause trauma. So now that we know some of the signs and symptoms, there are things we can do to help cope with trauma. And so we're going to just go over a few tips where if you have experienced um, a situation, a natural disaster that is traumatic in nature, there are some things you can do to help yourself and help those around you. So the first tip is we have to prioritize basic needs. So basic needs are those things that we have to have for survival, you know, things like food, safety, shelter, clothing, water, things that sustain our life and things that a lot of times in a natural disaster are kind of taken away from us. You know, if we experience a flood, an earthquake, a tornado, many of the things we've discussed, a lot of times we lose our shelter, we lose our safe and clean water and food, our clothing that we've had, all of those creature comforts and things that make us feel safe and secure can be gone in an instant. And so one of the very first things we want to do is make sure we get those needs met for ourselves, our family, and those that we want to help out. Because until we get our basic needs met, we can't move on to things like our emotional needs. Because if I'm worried about where I'm going to sleep and what I'm going to eat or drink, I can't even begin to talk to you about my emotional state and my feelings about the situation. If you've ever seen hierarchy of needs, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, this this is exactly in line with it. You know, we have to meet certain basic needs before we can move up the chain to deeper, more intense needs. Tip number 2, care for yourself. And care for others, particularly if you too were a part of this natural disaster, as you're caring for others, make sure you're also taking care of yourself because as the saying goes, we cannot pour from an empty cup. So if I'm not okay, I can't help you be okay. So some things we want to keep in mind with this tip is to use compassion and caring in dealing with others. We hopefully do that on a daily basis, but if not, we especially want to keep that in mind in a situation like this. We want to offer supportive words to ourself and others. Self-talk is a big deal, so we want to make sure that we're supporting ourselves with positive words. Spend time or reach out to family and friends daily. It's important to surround ourselves with our support system when we've gone through a traumatic event. Avoid the use of alcohol or drugs. It can be tempting to reach for alcohol or drugs if you've been especially stressed or anxious. You might think it's going to help you calm down or relax you, but most times it's going to compound the issues at hand. So if you can stay away from those things, you will be much better off reduce or avoid consumption of news. News can increase our anxiety quite a bit because sometimes they tend to focus more on the negative. um, And so it can be easy for that to spiral out of control. So some self-care tips, maybe, maybe turn the news off, get the essentials and then try not to get stuck there.
3: To add on to that, um, thinking about social media and and things like that, because that can spread fake news as well or it Mm -hmm. can you know just create more hysteria when you know it shouldn't be maybe blown out of proportion more than it needs to be
1: absolutely absolutely you know I mean It's great to have social media. I love that we can make contact with each other, especially if you've experienced a natural disaster. But if you're inundated with really heartbreaking images and stories all day, every day, that is not going to help you to to move forward, start healing. Um, You're going to stay stuck. And so you're right, like social media, newspapers, television news, all all of those out where we get news can kind of be things we need to take a break from. And your kids
3: too, it. thinking about yeah. monitoring a little, maybe a little bit more.
1: Yes, absolutely. Cause they, they absorb information that we don't even realize they're listening to. And that has happened to me as a parent, not knowing they heard a news story and then it affects them. And if you don't know what they're hearing, you can't help them process through that on their level. So that this is an excellent point. Some other things you want to do, delay making major life decisions, you know, right after a traumatic event is not the time to decide I'm going to move across the country or I'm going to change my career or I'm going to whatever you're going to do. It can be tempting when things feel out of control to want to try and control something. And that's sometimes why I think we're tempted to make big life changes like, oh, well, I'll control this. But that's typically not going to help. And you need to really take some time to heal before making decisions like that. You want to acknowledge your emotions and acknowledge that your emotions are going to change often. So one day you might be angry and then you might be overwhelmed and then you may be sad and then you may be at peace and you might circle back around all in one day. And that is okay. You know, the process of healing and grieving and going through a traumatic event, we're going to run the gamut of all of the emotions and then come back again. So allow yourself to feel that, acknowledge it, talk to a trusted friend or family member, but whatever you do, don't, don't try to suppress it or, or tell yourself you shouldn't because you're feeling exactly what you need to feel at that moment. So in that light, give yourself grace. Okay, feeling sad, feeling worried, feeling angry, it's all okay. And more than likely, the people around you that are also dealing with the effects of the same traumatic natural disaster um, are having very similar feelings and they can relate as well. Try to get good sleep. That's easier said than done when we have all of the things going through our head. But the more rested we are, the better equipped we are to make good decisions um, and to work towards healing. Remain flexible. And I think we've all learned that flexibility is the name of the game. We have to be able to pivot. And so changes are going to occur. We know that for certain. So the more flexible you can be, the easier it will be for you and your family. And then this one is key, and I really highly suggest it. Seek professional support from a physician or counselor. If you feel like your symptoms and signs of trauma have gotten to a level where they're affecting every day, they've been going on for too long, they're getting severe, and their duration is more than what you you feel should be appropriate, seek help. It is never a bad idea to get someone who's trained to help you go through these emotions right there by your side. So that is always going to be key. If you feel like you need to talk to somebody, you should talk to somebody. And then tip number three, restore your routine. I think one of the difficult things after a natural disaster is our routine is all over the place. And that can be really difficult because our routine gives us a sense of security. We feel safe because we kind of have an idea of what's coming next. So if you can... Put some of these things into play you'll feel like you have a little bit more control and you you feel like you're kind of getting back on track so things like eating the same time each day just as simple as that having a routine of when i'm going to get my meals drinking plenty of water taking time for rest to boost your recovery remember you need rest to heal If possible, take your medicines. So if your medicines aren't gone and you have them or you've been able to replace them, take your medicines. Get back on track with that so you can take care of your physical health as well as your mental health. Take time to grieve. Call, text, or talk to someone you trust daily. It's really important that we reach out and we stay connected each and every day following a natural disaster or traumatic event. Once you're out of danger and you're safe, wake up and go to bed each day at the same time. So once that basic need for shelter has been met, try and get back in that routine of going to bed about the same time, getting up about the same time and knowing what your routine is like. So you can make sure you get that rest. Those are the tips if we've experienced a traumatic natural disaster and things that we can do to cope with trauma. Now, How do we help others who experience trauma? Sometimes we're not a part of the event, but we want to reach out and we want to help. We want to do something um, and make a difference. And so there are tips for that as well. If you are more of the person trying to help that person. Now, some of these tips are going to be very similar. So I'm going to go through them quickly because we've already discussed them. But it's good to keep in mind. Tip number one, interactions should be compassionate, calm, and helpful. I think that goes without saying it's pretty self-explanatory. If you're going to help someone who's experienced a traumatic event, you absolutely want to be compassionate. You want to remain calm because they should not be comforting you. And you want to be helpful, not causing more stress or chaos. Tip number two. Prioritize physical safety and basic needs. We already went over this. If we don't have our basic needs met, we cannot go any further. So if you're helping out, the first thing you want to check with is do they have food, water, clothing, shelter, and safety? And once those needs are met, then you can move on and talk about the emotional effects of the traumatic event. Tip number three, look for signs of trauma and provide support. So just like we want to take care of ourselves um, and our family, if we've experienced it, we want to look for signs of trauma in individuals that we're trying to help. And we want to provide support to them that will be um, something that can help them get through this tough time. So tell them that you care about them. Just knowing someone cares can make a huge impact because oftentimes we feel very alone after times like this. Actively listen to them. That means listen, process, repeat back to them for clarity, and know that you're not just hearing words, you are listening to the meaning behind the words. Connect them with family, friends, and other resources. They may be at a point where they can't even recognize who could be their support system. So sometimes pointing that out and maybe making that first call for them can make a huge impact on them and their life. Here's a big one emphasize but avoid statements such as I understand what you're going through so ladies if you were going through something and I said oh I understand what you're going through how would you feel in the moment
3: I think about that a lot um uh, I think it's a a common response for us to have and I've tried to be more mindful even you know people are if they're talking or something I'll be like you know I I can't really relate to that. Or I try to, I can't understand instead of I can't Mm -hmm. understand. So I try to, I've been trying to be better at that because you're, you know, what you were saying, you know, that if someone said that to me, you know, you'd probably maybe feel angry, be like, no, or frustrated, you know, you don't understand. And that may create some friction between you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. When someone says, I, I know exactly what you're going through. Well, how do you know exactly what I'm going through? You may have had a similar experience. Um, and so you may be able to relate to what I'm going through, but you don't know my exact experience. And so I think people don't want to hear that. It makes them feel like they're being discounted and not heard. They They want you to acknowledge that their experience is unique to them in that moment. But it is okay to say, I can't imagine what you're going through. Do you want to talk about it? I would love to listen. How can I help? People do want that encouragement and that support. Another thing we want to be careful of is do not make promises such as we will find everyone. We will recover what you lost. We can't fulfill those promises. And all that does is do more damage to the person who has experienced the traumatic event. We want to be there to support with facts. We don't want to say hey, I can do all of these things for you when we know that we don't have control over the outcomes of all of those things. So be very careful. I don't think we do either of these things to be mean or malicious. Uh, We get uncomfortable when someone is going through a tough time and we do want to be supportive, but sometimes we just don't know the right words to say. So just trying to be more mindful of these things can be very helpful. And then finally, do not ask Or try to force someone to share their experience or story, which can re-traumatize them. So we want to be careful that we don't force someone to talk about it before they're ready. We want to offer an ear if they are ready and if they do want to talk. But we don't want to force them into doing that because, like I said, it could re-traumatize them if they're not ready to dig into that. And you may not be the person for them to share it. Too, There may need someone else. Um, there may be someone else they feel safer with, or they may need a professional to talk to who knows um, how they can walk them through the experience that they've had. And then finally, tip number four, give information about coping and connect with professional helpers. This is key. When we are helping others, we don't have to be a mental health professional. We don't have to be a doctor. We don't have to be a crisis specialist, but we can connect those individuals to people who are helpers. And that is what we, we need to do and we want to do in these situations. We want to encourage acknowledgement of emotions, just like it's okay for us to feel the way we feel and experience that whole range of emotions after a traumatic experience. We want to encourage them that it's okay for them to feel those emotions as well. Crying is absolutely okay. We want to remain flexible. You know, we already talked about that. We have to be flexible. We have to be able to change and then seeking professional help. So a helper can be a doctor, a trained crisis responder, a counselor, or a nurse. And you can connect individuals with the, the state crisis on. As well, there's always 988, which is the suicide and crisis lifeline. And I always encourage you during our mental health episodes that if you or someone you are close to are experiencing a mental health challenge or crisis, that number is there for you. You can text it, you can chat, you can call it, and they will connect you with help very quickly. One last key to help you as you're helping others quickly signs of crisis. So if you are working with someone, if you're helping after a natural disaster and you see these things, you want to quickly connect this person with someone who is a crisis specialist and can help. So if you see someone experiencing panic attacks, substance misuse, expressing feelings of hopelessness, isolation, and suicidal behaviors, a crisis line is it's time to contact them you want to get help in there that's not for you try and and help or fix you're not a trained professional and you're not expected to be so crisis can occur at any time after a traumatic event but sometimes and this is important sometimes one to three months afterwards so if you're talking with a who is recently experienced a trauma but it's not right after also be paying attention for some of these signs of crisis so that you can you can make that connection there so that's a lot of information it's a lot to consider and it's kind of heavy but that's okay That's okay. The key is just for you to increase your knowledge of what you can do to help, how you can take care of yourself after experiencing a traumatic natural disaster. And knowing that ultimately, just letting someone know that you are there, you care, and you're willing to listen is absolutely invaluable. So... I hope you have all enjoyed um, all of these episodes this month as we've talked about disaster preparedness. If you didn't get to hear earlier episodes, um, we hope that you will go back and listen to those. If you have any questions or comments for us, please reach out to us either on our Facebook page or at our email address, which is Life Simplified Podcast at gmail.com.
0: Thanks for listening to Life Simplified. We are family and consumer sciences agents with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. Contact us at Podcasts at gmail.com.